0: Welcome, I'm Osher Ferber. And I am Ariel Munafon. And this is the Silver Lining Podcast, a podcast about security architecture.
1: Good morning, everyone. Uh, another podcast uh, episode uh, of Silver Lining. Uh, we are here also today with Moshe. Hi, Moshe.
0: Hi, good morning. How are you,
1: uh, Very good, very good. We have a very nice session before, and uh, I hope that uh, this will also be a great one.
0: Okay, so we have here today Iran from Oracle, which is a great uh, to see you. Good morning.
2: Good morning. Thanks for having me. I'm great, uh,
0: great to be seen. <laughs> so Iran, uh, um, up until uh, the last five minutes, he was the CISO for the Oracle Cloud, and now he has a new role. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, about your new position in Oracle and your previous positions.
2: Yeah, so for the last year and a half, uh, I was focused on uh, ensuring that Oracle builds a uh, secure cloud uh and uh oracle actually has two clouds we have the the classic cloud the oracle classic and this new generation 2 cloud which uh, we'll talk about a lot from a security perspective uh, in the next 30 minutes or so but uh, we built a great team we built some great technologies and uh, now uh, as part of releasing that want to focus more on regulated markets uh, as well as uh, in israel uh, as well, so I uh, moved to uh, become the VP of development, uh, focusing on, on those markets. Have you started looking for an apartment in Tel Aviv? Not yet, but uh, <laughs> it is very tempting. That you li- seeing the summer, or this is that you call this winter. Uh, <laughs> well, when you see the rent, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it will be the winter. Of
0: the- <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, about uh, the background a little bit. The first time I met you, I think you were CISO for Google Apps. Or, uh, so, uh, tell us a little bit, a bit about where you're coming from.
2: Yeah. So I've been in the security business or the security field my entire uh career so all, almost 25 years so started really from uh, very much hands-on uh started doing penetration testings in uh, in the mid 90s where there was were very target rich environments uh where you'd own customers literally within a couple minutes you know it used to be cute to uh, have your uh, pet's name as your password right and uh, <laughs> um, things that we just didn't think about back then right and you'd advertise that to your friends oh look my password is my boyfriend you know um and uh, uh, then uh, eventually w- worked up uh, to uh, to managing large security deployments uh, at lots of uh, Fortune 500 customers. Uh, I spent uh, a lot of that time at Price Coopers uh, doing that for their their customers in, in the entertainment and finance sector. Um, and then uh, I became the CISO of Price Coopers. Uh, so I was uh, under 30 with a big responsibility. Uh, learning a lot uh it was a very very different era than it is today right so this was the high day of the blackberry um uh, it was all about the laptop right how do we ensure that uh, we have 140,000 employees at that point uh with these devices all over the world that have financial data that can move markets mm-hmm. uh how do we ensure that they're secure how do you ensure that uh, people don't uh, do silly things like print things off at a client and 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 lose it or leave it at the printer um, and then there was a small company that, uh, at that point, had a funny name uh, called Google. Uh, it turned out not to be a small company after a while, um, and wanted to get into the enterprise space, right? So it was only a consumer company at that point, and uh, thought it had some great technologies, uh, specifically Gmail, and said, "Hey, uh, Google uses this to run their." Um, their email internally how do we get other enterprises to use it and the number one concern enterprises had with using uh google this is we before we even started calling it cloud there was no there was no cloud yet there was no aws yet um was security and and how do we solve that mm-hmm. uh so i went to google built out the team um built out the, all the, the technologies all the orgs uh all the processes uh that needed to uh to produce that right um i mean Uh, Very proud of some of the things we accomplished. Um, And then from there, went and did a small startup uh, in the e-commerce space um, that basically competed with Amazon in e-commerce, but looked at e-commerce from an engineering problem. Um, So we all know there's no such thing as free shipping. Uh, Somebody has to pay for the shipping. Uh, So the question is how? How do you pay for that shipping? And one way to pay for that shipping is to encourage customers to build a bigger cart, to build a bigger box, right? So you get to amortize that cost of shipping uh, over more items. And one way to get customers to build a bigger box is to start discounting things dynamically uh, the more that they put in the box. So for example, if I was buying a glass and I have to put that into a certain box a certain size, I know that in that box, I can also fit a microphone. Mm-hmm. And I know from your past history that you are very much into podcasts or audio, and you're a male of a certain age. So I know which items to show you and start reducing the prices mm-hmm. the more you build the box. Uh, so it really, it was a very different way to look at uh, uh, e-commerce at the time. And uh, the company did very well. Uh, we sold it to uh, Walmart uh, for $3.3 billion dollars. Uh, in a very fast time, uh, and I thought I was done. I, I thought I was at least going to take, uh, take some time off. Um, but then Oracle came knocking, uh, so my three to five years off that I was planning on taking became uh, about three months. Uh, and Oracle did something very exciting that uh, I think is very hard to do and obviously very expensive. It uh, looked around and saw we have all these Generation 1 clouds, let's call them, Google, AWS, Azure, um and even Oracle as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, These were clouds that were built for a very different type of workload, uh, right? They were built for the Netflixes, the Twitters. Um, And if we wanted to build a cloud for where Oracle is strong, which is some of the world's most security sensitive data. uh, So governments run on Oracle, borders run on Oracle, intelligence agencies run on Oracle. How do where, where we where b- data counts? Yes, it's a very yeah, Oracle. Yeah, yeah. Is, um, but we didn't feel that Generation One clouds had the security that we would feel comfortable to put those type of data, uh, in there. Uh, so, with a very big investment, Oracle designed a cloud from the ground up with security in mind. Hired a lot of people mm-hmm. that uh, built it the first time, right, including myself. Uh, and said, hey, if you could do it all over again, what would you do different? Mm-hmm. Uh, and security is a big area that we do different, right? And uh, if, I, if I dive into that just for a little bit, um, there's a couple problems with the Generation 1 clouds when you're looking at super sensitive um, workloads. Uh, first is that you're sharing the processor. Uh, you're sharing the network. You're sharing uh, everything on that machine, uh, maybe with other customers, uh, or at the very least with the cloud provider, right? Because that processor, not only are you using as a customer, but that cloud provider is using that to manage that machine, mm-hmm. um, right? They're using that for billing. They're using that to understand how that machine is doing. Uh, they're using that for performance. So even if you are quote unquote dedicated in the traditional Gen 1 clouds, it's not really dedicated, Um so that was one problem that we had to solve, and we solved it very well by taking that processor and building another processor and putting it outside of the machine. Uh, so now we don't actually use that same processor for what we call the the control plane. The, okay. the, the The control network that manages the cloud is very different than the network that customers are on. So now concerns about noisy neighbors are much less concerning Okay, so
0: just to emphasize, we're starting from the we're starting this process from the hardware itself. So you're designing yeah. the hardware itself on a, on a different way by separating the manage the managerial aspect of the cloud and the customer data.
2: That's okay. correct. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean that's uh, one one of the unique things about Oracle. Also, is one of the few cloud providers that owns the entire stack from the mm-hmm. hardware uh, to the software to all the infrastructure um, to obviously the database. Uh, speaking about database one of the things that we saw and, and this is great leadway into the talk topics we want to talk about um, is customers have a hard time uh, managing security for different cloud aspects right and let's pick on database for a second uh, so how can we take all of those things away from customers and have that happen magically can we build a database that secures itself by itself that patches itself that heals itself that tunes itself um, and make customers actually focus on the things that are unique to them, uh, but not these infrastructure aspects that need that you need to get right and that are very time consuming. And we did that with a couple products called Autonomous Database. Uh, so it's a database that configures itself, it secures itself, it tunes itself, it optimizes itself. Uh, so if I need more power, uh, because uh, now it's busy season, it can increase the performance. Uh, if I want to optimize on cost because uh, I don't mind it being slower and I want to spend less, you can also do that uh, for different types of workloads. Um, so I think, yeah, we I think we have some really cool revolutionary stuff, uh, both from a performance, a usability, and, of course, a security perspective.
1: I think that is it uh, is interesting to see how, you know, uh, Oracle o- o- start late going yeah. to the yeah. cloud and, uh, and they try to find something... Uh, that, uh, they try
0: to find the right uh, way to
1: attack it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I had uh, a few talks with the uh, and also on the staff. So I think that uh, it's interesting. and I don't really think that everybody knows about that. So uh, I think that is a, a good point to, to mention.
2: Yeah, no, we definitely got late to the game. And, and when you get late to the game, um, you have to have something different, right? For for pe- people to be compelled to move to your product. This is true in, in, in any, right? Uh, and we also saw that if we just look at... Current technologies, right? Uh, The big players. Let's let's move out of enterprise for a for a second. You know, even Google or Facebook weren't the first ones in their respective games, right? There were 10, 15 search engines before Google, right? Alta Vista, Infoseek, Ask Jeeves, etc. And and those obviously are we don't even think about them.
0: Well, you came to this point where uh, the traditional cloud provider have their infrastructure a bit. Old and beaten already. Now they uh, are new coming with a new refreshed look. Yeah.
2: and it's very hard when you have uh, an existing infrastructure, right? So, like the other providers have, right? It's going to be very time-consuming and costly to upgrade and sh- and and uh, move to this, mm-hmm. as well as you, there's the period that they have to go through that we have the benefit of not of. Um, having to manage both, right? If uh, if I'm running a generation one and a generation two, that makes it very tough uh, on me as a provider or as a customer. Um, and so when you start from a zero... Yeah, uh, yeah. Okay.
0: So-, so basically you have a new infrastructure and uh, you mentioned already that uh, one of those goals of this infrastructure is to focus on the problems that traditional clouds has. One of the biggest problems that we see is misconfiguration and you mentioned that with the databases that... Uh, only we are standing in the beginning of this week last week one of israel's biggest uh, payment application had a database exposed on the uh, on the some kind of a cloud infrastructure again we don't know the details because they didn't publish but judging from the uh, background of the researcher who found it i'm guessing it was either a mongodb or some kind of elastic search database open somewhere on a cloud infrastructure uh, at least this is the other findings from this researcher so um and uh, of course, we are two weeks after uh, Microsoft had a problem of, uh, I don't know, their uh, entire uh, database of uh, customer support was exposed on somewhere on an uh, Azure server. So we see constantly see uh, misconfiguration and everybody likes to quote a uh, Gartner that saying 95 of uh, cloud in- existence will be customer self-configuration. And this was our goal in this conversation today. Talk a little bit about misconfiguration, why they happened and how do you see in your own eyes, how do you think that... You can change this uh, current state.
2: Yeah, I think that's an exciting topic, right? And I think we are going to see, and, and just to, to echo what you said, you know, I think 2019 was the year of the cloud misconfiguration. Uh, as we see more and more customers moving to the cloud, we're going to see more and more misconfigurations. The clouds were not built uh, for the type of workloads that, that are running in them. Uh, and with having very complex policies in the cloud providers, with having multiple ways to change those policies, whether it's through the UI or the API or command line, and I have policies overwriting other policies. um, I think we're gonna see more of these things that get open to the internet that were never intended to it.
1: And how do you see, uh, you know, that uh, really the the vendors, the cloud providers can can help uh, it makes better?
2: Yeah, I, th- I think there's a couple things that cloud providers can do and, and need to do. We've operated until now in the cloud space with the shared responsibility model, uh, with this model that the cloud provider produces an infrastructure, that infrastructure is secure, but everything that you put on that infrastructure is the customer's responsibility, right? So when we talk and when you hear some of those cloud providers uh, refute uh, some of these misconfiguration issues that you quoted, right? They say, hey, it's Not my fault, right? That's a very logical approach. They said, we gave you the tools. You didn't use the tools, uh, whether you didn't understand them or you misconfigured them, but that's not on us. I think that's a fundamentally flawed model and and a model that needs to change. Um, I think there's a couple ways to change that. First is offering better tools. Uh, And and I'll give an example for example for one uh, that we're coming out with that's called uh, uh, Maximum Security Zones. And what maximum security zones does is it basically allows customers to define a compartment. And everything that you put in that compartment will always have the highest level of security. And that security cannot be turned off, right? So it can never be exposed to the internet. It uh, can never be publicly facing, so I don't have to worry about these misconfigurations that, hey, by accident, something got opened uh, that shouldn't. Uh, it will only have encrypted data. It will only accept encrypted data. It will require two-factor authentication, right? So if you start looking just even those three things that I mentioned, open mm-hmm. to the Internet, encryption, and user authentication, I, I don't want to badmouth anybody, but you can see how many of the of the 2019 issues would have gone away mm-hmm. Um with uh, with just those three common mistakes yeah. yeah open
0: the servers to the internet use unencrypted data and use uh, basic authentication yeah so basically you're saying your servers are coming from the from the deep inside are coming with those controls
2: yeah so you can put something in there yeah. right so you want to put things like your user database your customer lists right things that are sensitive you're going to want to put in in a secure compartment and not have those security controls being able to turn off okay So this is one that's one. Yeah. Yeah. Another one is so that's very proactive. Right. Let's how do we prevent it? Um, There's other ones where cloud providers have unique knowledge. Uh, They see uh, they see things that are going on throughout the entire cloud. Uh, They see things that are going on to your environment from a customer perspective uh, and allow you to react or at least know about those things um, proactively. Uh, So, for example, uh, we have another product called CloudGuard. And what CloudGuard is, it looks for different types of settings that should not happen, different types of user behavior uh, that we believe is anomalous. Uh, So, for example, if you were logging in from here and Russia at the same time uh right that's probably a very suspicious behavior uh but for customers to achieve that in the cloud today on other cloud providers that's actually not an easy thing to do we all accept that as users right when we go to a website when we go to our hotmail gmail etc account it it flags us but for our enterprise space um that's actually very tough right because there's different ways we all log into to our enterprise different uh um uis different applications but cloud providers can see that so with cloud guard Uh, you can either pre-configure what should happen when I see those type of activities. So hey, let me force and and require two-factor authentication. Let me block that user and and send an alert. Uh, So it's kind of got that two steps. One step is I can notify, but second step is is take action. I see connection from a suspicious IP address. Something that's coming from Tor, a Tor network, right? There's probably not a reason to access this server ever from a from a Tor network and a legitimate user. Um, so what 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 should I do at that point? Um, yeah, and if you we are talking more about
1: uh, you know changing that uh, shared responsibility model, that it was something that uh, we took as a that is what it is. Yeah, yeah?
0: it is uh, yeah. It, like the basic thing. This is where you. Uh, this is how you do it. So basically, we are saying let's change this paradigm and. Uh, Put more responsibility on the cloud provider because they have better visibility to this than the customer. They can firstly detect if you're connect, if somebody's connecting through Tor. They can detect if you're if you have a, a, a public IP address open to the world. I mean, they can detect it faster than you. So what you're saying is shift one responsibility to them.
2: Anyway, you're paying them a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean it's yeah. even beyond. I mean, the, when we see these security issues, they're the beyond them they end up costing the companies a lot more than the money than they're usually paying the cloud provider, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you're losing the direct uh, direct cost of dealing with the breach, the brand responsibility, the, the PR nightmare that you deal with. Uh, now with a lot of the privacy laws, uh, there's actual real dollar amounts of what you have to pay mm-hmm. uh, to the users that were impacted. Um, so we should be demanding more from our cloud provider. I think we've, as customers, have accepted uh, the previous shared responsibility model. Um, and, and it got us to where we are today, um, but I don't think it's going to get us to the future. Okay. Two famous
0: misconfigurations. One of them is uh, basically uh, forgetting your API keys, the different configuration files, and second one is leaving your buckets open. How would Oracle Cloud uh, handle those uh, stuff?
2: Yes, no. I mean, so we, we, see, we see those, the API keys, putting API keys into public uh, Githubs and, uh, and places that they shouldn't be. Uh, I, I think there's a couple ways uh, Oracle Cloud would handle that. First, um, if I am putting something and designing it in the beginning from um, maximum security zones and defining where can it can get access to. So even if that API key, for example, is found, uh, it won't let access, right? If I'm, if I'm trying to access it in certain ways, right? Because I'm always going to require two-factor or second-factor, so the API key um, won't suffice. Um, what was the other one that you that you mentioned the, um, buckets the buckets the yeah buckets. so I think that's the same yes, the same way yes. mm-hmm. uh, but also notifying on on big changes right so all of a sudden I see a user um, that is uh expatriating ex-feturi- oh, that's a big word on a, on, a, on a sunday <laughs> uh uh removing a, a lot of data in a, in a fast uh, in a rapid manner right they're behaving abnormally than they typically used to mm-hmm. uh which is what we often see in these type of security incidents right when when i did find an api key or when something got open right now i'm starting to dump it and uh, if uh, user alice always was doing you know uh, several hundred uh, megabytes uh, a day and now all of a sudden she's trying to download terabytes a day guess what mm-hmm. some something looks weird um we should let our customer know.
1: Bitcoin mining is something else. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay.
2: So, uh, if- I mean, you can, yeah, you can take that ex- exact same approach, right? So you've seen CPUs that, you know, usually had, you know, 20, 30% utilization. All of a sudden now the utilization is, is going high. And all of a sudden, you know, I'm, I'm requesting GPUs on, on my cloud account. Um mm-hmm. yeah. uh, so, 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 uh, it-
1: I think that is mm, this. the thing is more mentally, more uh, thinking about the, the approach than giving uh, more tools. You, you talk about tools, but I, I don't see now, uh, I don't know, uh, m- so many tools that you can uh, handle the, the that's,
0: developers. That's the idea. I mean, this is generation two of cloud providers. We we learn a lot from the mistakes of generation one. So it, in generation one, now, now you have to run external tools uh, mm-hmm. in order to detect a bucket. Now in generation two, let's do it from the from the application code itself from the infrastructure code uh, itself let's not have the possibility of having an open bucket unless you specifically want so i mean let's think about it the other way around traditional cloud provider had all the securities open by default i mean you uh, open an account in azure today all your uh, ports are open you have to start closing it because why the pitch is saying go into a cloud provider, in five minutes, you have an application up and running. They don't want to tell you open the firewall port, put this, put your key in the right position. right? And generation 2 seems to be a different mindset, right? We're going to have you secured. Now, if you want to open things, we we'll let you do that. But that's an uh, opt-in approach. Yeah,
2: yeah I think uh, very similar to exactly what you're saying, right? So Gen 1 opted a lot more on uh, ease of use, right? That, that was over-indexed. Uh, on ease of use um, and got us the workloads and the security issues that we've seen now as we want to move some of these more security sensitive workloads, we should be indexing more on security, right? That you intentionally have to open things, that things are encrypted by default, that traffic is encrypted by default, things are encrypted at rest by default, um, things aren't available to the internet by default, etc. cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think uh, that's exactly where we're going. I mean, as security professionals, right, this is, Basically, going back to the basics, right? In security 101, we all learned that uh, turn everything off uh, and 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 only turn on the, the things that you need. Um, and as you said, cloud providers, because of they were moving against um, what what was the current trend at the time, right? There was a very different trend. If we go back when when these cloud providers all built their infrastructure 10, 12 years ago, uh, it was hey. Uh, what is better on premise or or in the cloud? We obviously don't have that conversation as much as as we used to, but now it's how do we secure the cloud?
0: Mm -hmm. Okay. So, uh, summarizing uh, all of this, uh, you have a new job in Oracle (laughs) and you take care of uh, new regulated industries and also you're going to promote this in Israel and you have a region coming up, which is uh, very exciting. Yeah and part of your uh, the things that you did in oracle is building the ne- next generation of cloud second generation of cloud which is basically first of all you build it from the hardware up so uh, this is very exciting i mean starting planning everything from scratch and that's bring uh, good news and uh, basically the idea is to have a self uh, self feeling cloud might be a, a big <laughs> word but uh, this is where you're going right so something that can correct itself correct security mistakes
2: absolutely i mean even if we look at the n- next thing after misconfigurations that we saw is not patching servers servers known vulnerabilities right i mean it's uh, um you don't know that server exists or you don't know that patch exists so building a, a cloud that is self-healing patches itself corrects itself
1: uh, I, I was in the last, uh, not in the the open world, and uh, Larry talked uh, about the robots that in the old AI that it was built really on the hardware, the uh, phase step. step.
2: Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, we we are all security robots. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. Okay, so basically you are building the next generation of cloud, which is uh, self-healing. It's a, it will put, defend you more in misconfiguration because it will have more security embedded into it, things that we've seen before, like you can you need to close firewall ports, you need to uh, embed your identity and access management, you need to start encryption, it will be enabled by default and you have to turn it off if you want. I mean, it comes uh, with pretty se- uh, heavy security in mind and this is part of basically what you're saying, a change of uh, minds. Like cloud providers should do more, they should give you better tools, they should g- uh, be more responsible over the security and not say, okay, this was customer responsibility, not our problem.
2: It shouldn't just be better tools, right? We mm-hmm. want to move to this autonomous self-healing cloud, mm-hmm. right? So um, just as cars have evolved, right? Uh, my girlfriend has a Tesla and uh, it drives itself uh, and uh, it doesn't require humans to make decisions. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and it's more safe uh, than, than a human driver. That, that's where we need to move with clouds, right? That mm-hmm. are using advances in machine learning, in artificial intelligence, to self-secure themselves rather than dependent on a user behind the wheel even though users you know now we have all these tools that uh, tell you hey there's somebody on the blind spot but if the car is driving by itself it already knows that and it's going to react accordingly
0: okay very interesting you have a big challenges ahead so uh, yeah. good luck with those <laughs> yeah.
2: so thank you Iran, for uh, being with
1: us i hope uh, that uh, we will see you more in israel and maybe to come again uh, to our
2: podcast my pleasure thanks for having me guys
0: thank you very much